0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All, All right. Radio. Welcome, 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 my dear. So family to another edition of Wednesday Warriors. Yes, yes, yes. And as you can see, I'm still in the big chair. <laughs> Don't tell anybody, right? I'm still in the big chair for this season. I'm going to be transitioning to another place soon here in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, yes, I would say don't get used to it, but I don't know. I kind of like the big chair. It makes me feel big (laughs) sitting here, and I'm at the big desk, and I've got the gavel, and it's just like, I don't know. Big things happen when you're in the big chair. I feel like that. You know, the anointing's really, I don't know big in here. So I want to just thank you guys for joining us. I thank you for tuning in to this edition of Wednesday Warriors, where we are studying our favorite book, right, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by our favorite author, Dr. Paula A. Price. Yes, and I'm not biased, am I? But she is my favorite author and I do enjoy uh having this privilege to share this information with you for us to have this exchange and, and to talk about these things in God. I feel like now more than ever it's important that we are able uh to to, to have open, honest, and authentic conversations about who our God is. You know what my favorite scripture is, okay, Daniel 11, talking about in, uh, in an era where there's so much confusion, just so much confusion about who is God, where is God, what is God, what is not God. I think now more than ever we need a tool like this to help us know him because Daniel 11.32, I believe, is the verse uh, that talks about this, but those that know their God. And if you read what's going on before we get to that phrase, what's happening? They're being plunged into a season of darkness. God is allowing corruption to take over the planet. He says he's allowing them to be corrupted with flattery. We didn't get a chance to talk about that last week, but we'll talk about it today in light of the world events and and everybody running to and fro and crazy, you know, about this is that and this is the devil and where is God and how is all of this fitting together. We get an opportunity to explore it from the heaven advantage. Ah, can you say that? The heaven advantage. We get to explore this thing from heaven's advantage because, remember, heaven is not reacting to the events of earth. It's instigating, enacting, propelling, controlling, and advancing earth towards God's projected end. Yes, because according to the book of Revelations, we know that God has a projected end for the earth. He knows where this thing is going. He's not confused on the issue. We are because we see in part, we prophesy in part, and we're only living a part of God's plan at any given time in a generation. We're not living the entirety of God's plan at once. We're living, okay, it in part, and this generation has a part to play in the bigger plan. And so the eternal continuum is important because it really brings us into the bigger plan, right? So I want you to get your books out. I want you to turn to Chapter 7 with me tonight. I want you to get your coffee. I want you to get your journal because we as Wednesday warriors want to know our God so that in this era where there is uh, darkness impending, where there is conflict and crisis, we can know our God and carry out great exploits. That's what we want to do. We want to learn our God. We want to know our God so that we can carry out great exploits. You can't do great exploits beyond the knowledge of the God that you serve and the knowledge of the power that worketh in you. Ah, If you don't know the power that started it all, if you don't know the power behind every event we're living today, then you can't carry out great exploits. You can simply sit on the side and spectate. And wonder and question but we don't have to question because we have God's eternal continuum and we know that this did not take him by surprise our God's not reacting our God's not held captive by human events by human will by human circumstance by human opinion by human belief he's not held captive by those things See, we know that those that know their God know that he's not a captive He is an agent. He is a alpha. He is a ruler. God is propelling this thing. He's the the change agent. He's the cause agent, actually. He is the cause agent. And so God's eternal continuum is speaking into that. So we're excited tonight to have you because we're going to know our God. And we're going to replicate him in the flesh, in our makeup. We're not here to just learn Christianity. And we're not even here to just do it. We're here to become the essence of its founder. We're here to become the essence of its power in the planet. Yes? That's what we want to do. That's what God has called us to do. That's what Jesus Christ gave his blood to do. Very, very important. Yes? Very, very important. Hallelujah. So I want you guys to get excited about where we're going, excited about the journey we're on tonight. Uh, I am, you know, dedicating this episode to my father who said he wants to read some things from the book. So this episode of Before the Garden is going out to you, Mr. Thomas Price. Uh, because you want us to get into some more of chapter 7. So we're going to do exactly that tonight. We're going to get into chapter 7 so that we can understand where the continuum is going and how the continuum continues. Yes, everything. As we go back to the scripture, when we look at what is going on in the world, and we talked about this last week, you saw that post I put up, and y'all are like, well, come on, talk about What's happening here and how the continuum fits in it. I believe it's in the premise. I'm going to look here and see if I am, uh, the preface rather. Nope, it's the prologue. If you uh, have your books and uh, you've had an opportunity to, to read through this, you'll see that she starts off uh, explaining the foundation of the continuum on page 15 in Before the Garden. And she talks about here, she uses the scripture Ecclesiastes 1 9, and Ecclesiastes. Uh, 315. And I want to just read those today because sometimes as Christians, we can get caught up in the fear and the panic and in the, uh, the uh, crises and all of that frenzy generated by, the, by human consciousness and by human invention that we often forget what God is doing. And the fact that he is true, we keep posting he's in control. But what I like about uh, Before the Garden, it tells you how he's in control. Because a lot of us just have faith, right? We have faith that God is in control. But this tells you how he is in control, and I love it. So she says here in Ecclesiastes 1.9 and, and 3.15, this is the International Standard Version. It says, whatever has happened will happen again, and whatever has been done will be done again. There is nothing new on earth. That which was now is, and that which will be already is. And God examines whatever, what has already taken place. Now, we're going to get into this heavy in Chapter 7 because this is going to get into some things that Dr. Price explains in here. You guys are probably wondering what in the world does all of that mean and how it works when she talks about synchronicity versus simultaneity. She's letting you know that everything that is is not new to God. Nothing that's happening on the planet is new to God. Nothing that's happening on the planet hasn't been done before. We already have a clue in Genesis when he talks about replenishing the earth, don't we? That this isn't earth's first rodeo, that this isn't God's first experience uh, uh, dealing with these things on the planet. That's why it's so crazy for people to cheat you through this vain philosophy that the Bible is outdated. Ah are you kidding? The Bible already has been, now is, and will be. All of the events have already uh, been slated and taken place before in God's world, taken place before in his season, and his time, and is now playing out in our time, and will finish itself way down the line from us. How do we know? How could John see what what, what is, or what was, Okay, that has not been in the book of Revelation. He's seeing events, a whole world is playing out to John the Revelator. He's saying what was. That has not been for us, okay, will be and now is. How is that possible? Because in God's world, the past, present, and the future are taking place simultaneously and interchangeably which is why he can control the events and be the alpha, the instigator, and the omega on it. Oh, y'all all right. Is that all right to say? Okay, because that's what we get confused about, which is why we think that God's reacting. And why we think prophecy is just predicting things in the future that we don't know yet. No, no, prophecy is moving by a plan that was already established in heaven. It was already established by what God uh, ordained before he set anything in motion. His world has already played this out. John couldn't have gotten, rather, the book of Revelation if God had not already played it out. If it had not already taken place in his world. If it had not already been ordained before he put us on the earth. The 139th Psalm talks about how he fashioned everything, every day that we're living, as if there were none of them. Your, your DNA is coded to, toward God's plans and, and the things that he wants to establish in your life. You're literally setting in motion, or I should say manifesting, what he encoded to happen in your lifetime before he put you here. Oh, my goodness. But we do that every day, do we not? We take charge. And when we say we're going to take charge of our own destiny, what's the first thing we do? Write a plan? We plan something out? That's the first thing we do is have a plan. And so even as scary as all of this is going on with the protest and all of that, go back and refresh yourself in the book of Revelation. It describes this kind of mania and behavior, okay, having already taken place having already lived, now is and will be to come. And so that's why we need the continuum because the continuum shows you how God, how the operations of God's hands are playing out in every generation. It's not taking him by surprise because he's moving us toward an end. He's moving us toward an objective. What was Jesus Christ's number one objective when he came to the planet? The end of his mission. See, salvation was was phase two. We're going to talk about phase one today, but the phase two of his mission was getting us, gathering us together in the flesh, in him. But the final phase of this thing is the restitution of all things. See, God's moving the planet toward an end. He's got to resolve. He's got to restore. He's he's going to restitute all of this and reconcile everything that's in heaven and in earth. And so the events that we're living and the things that we're experiencing are propelling us toward the end of God's objective, the restitution of all things. And we can't, as Christians, get caught up in any point in time, okay, because what God's pushing us to is going to be the end of time. It's going to be what's happening outside of time or beyond uh, the period of time. When we got into Chapter 5, we talked about those things a little bit. You have to go back and review them, listen to some of the tapes and the CDs and all that great stuff, okay? Because we did a little bit of that conversation right there. But this is why you cannot get caught up in any moment because God's moving by an entire plan that is propelling us toward an end. You know, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration watching Jesus give them a foretaste of the divine nature right there. He transfigured right there, giving them a, a brief moment a brief engagement with the, with the divine nature, what it looks like, what it's going to be like when we are in our completed form, when that restitution and reconciliation comes and God is finished with all sin and all of those things, what, it, what that plays out like. They got a moment of that, and they wanted to memorialize, and this camp out right there. And God was like, no, no, we got to keep moving because we've got a plan. We've got to get this thing into a place of fulfillment. And so we can't think that this is the end-all and be-all and start allowing ourselves to get so caught up in what's happening in the now that we forget that this is temporary. See, what's happening right now is temporary. Your politics are temporary. What party line you're on is temporary stuff. Even down to your race and your culture is temporary. And we're fighting for things that are temporary and not the plan that will be eternal, not the life that we were promised that is forever. And we have to separate the forever things in Christ that are essential. And these temporary things or these temporary instruments and outlets and vessels and conduits that God is using to propel us toward forever. Because these things are not going to go with us. God talks about us making that distinction between the hay and the stubble, okay, and the silver and the gold. And a lot of us today are literally fighting to protect hay and stubble that can't transfer, that can't translate, okay, and you can't even take with you when you die. You realize that you can't take those those views with you when you die. And you will not be able to go and establish that in heaven. Because heaven already has a civilization, it already has laws, it already has policies, it already has things in place. You won't be able to take that with you into heaven. And yet we're fighting for those things in exchange for what is eternal. Why? Because we don't know the continuum. We don't know what the plan is. Our job is to stay on plan and to stay on task, regardless of it. Jesus did it so well, he did not get caught up in the things that were going on in the Jewish culture, and they tried to get him caught up in it. They asked him all kinds of crazy questions. Well, look, we fit the stone, this woman. Let me just tell y'all right now, come on with this foolishness. What happens if a person if a, if a, if a woman you know dies and she was married to seven men before she uh uh goes to heaven well which which wife is she okay come help us settle this land dispute over here in the corner he said no 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 i'm not i don't i'm not getting involved in that and he kept answering them and outwitting and outsmarting their answers why because he said i'm not here for this culture I'm not here representing the now I'm here representing the eternal. My job is to bring the eternal culture, the things that will last, the things that will be forever, the things that God has designed to remain into the earth. So he kept their mind on kingdom. Oh, okay. And not on culture. He kept their mind on kingdom. He gave them a gospel of the kingdom. We just think about the gospel of salvation, but Dr. Price does an excellent job introducing us to, to about 31 strands of gospel, okay, that existed, that comprised the continuum. And he keeps us focused on kingdom. And so what the continuum does is keep you in the line of thinking and keep you on the plan and keep you on the task of Jesus Christ. What is the task and the purpose that he was here to fulfill? He did not allow himself to get caught up all the way. Well, I got to bury my father. Well, Herod wants to see you. No, no. See, he never got caught up. They want to make you king. No, no, no. See, I'm not here for that. I'm here for a new kingdom to come. And I'm I'm moving out what is temporal, and I'm bringing in what will last forever. And so we cannot trade uh, our eternality for temporality. This, what you do here in this flesh is about what, we, what we've been talking about for weeks now, sifting, sorting, vetting, and determining your forever. It's about going through your soul, going through your judgment center, going through your character, going through your nature. See, all of these are instruments. Don't think that the instrument is the objective. The objective is getting your soul into eternal life. He may be using your career in politics to do it. He may be using your passion for medicine to do it. He might be using your interest over here and there to be a part of the vetting process, to show who you are, to reveal the nature, to bring out the things that that he knows he can or cannot live with. But understand, don't defend the instruments and lose sight of the objective. Oh, Because, see, your, your complexion, this here body going back to the dust. Instrument to vet you, to determine who you are. Oh, to define, refine, and purify, uh, and separate out your nature. Oh, come on. Instrument, Eternal instruments. Object lessons. With tools and witnesses of who you are, because all of these things are going to corrupt. That's why the Bible tells us to be to focus in on the incorruptible, because these things are going to corrupt. And you're 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 defending and standing on things that you can't even that won't travel. That's not going to go somewhere. Oh come on. We're not standing, taking stands for the things in Scripture for righteousness' sake. But we're going to stand for a cause that, that's only going to live here and only going to live for an, a certain a, a period or an assigned generation. Oh, come on. How many causes lived in different eras and in different times and seasons in our, in our cycle of human history? And where are they today? In books, and our walls, and in memories. But God's righteousness and the things that he gave us to defend. Oh, come on. Defending defending a lifestyle that is incorruptible, defending godly character, defending morality. See, those are the things that are going to travel. Why? Because we got that law from his world. How do we know that God's standards and morality are going to live past this moment? Because we got them from an eternal world. The Ten Commandments did not come from something that was written by a man. He said the finger of God came down and wrote those and revealed that to Moses. We got an eternal law from an eternal world. And we're out here defending things that won't last. So we're not going to defend the Ten Commandments, but we're going to defend people's right to choose. Come on in the place. How is that? That won't travel. Abortion is an earthly issue. Sex is an earthly issue. Marriage, earthly issue. Those things will not travel. They will not be a part of your eternal world. Oh, come on. Which is why they don't really be showing up in the ten like that, do they? Mhm. Who remembers the Ten Commandments? Ayabasa. Uh, come on in the place. There's a lot of customary cultural issues that don't necessarily show up in the Ten because God's attitude is I need to fit you and prepare you for the world you're going to be living in forever. And in our society, those are not issues, those are not customs, those are not practices. Because they don't need them. Oh, come on. Because they're living in the finished work. They're living in what is already done. See, we have two worlds that are riding together. That's what Ecclesiastes was talking about, those two worlds. And we're going to talk about simultaneity and, and, and synchronicity and, and synchronization and the difference between the two. Come on here. Because, see, God's world is a finished world. They're living in God's finished word. They're living in the finished product. They're living in that, and that world is riding on top of ours. That's why Ecclesiastes can say that we're living in something that is and something that was done and something that is to come all at the same time. Because, see, they're trying to get us there, and they're already finished. But we're living in the now, trying to get to what will be. Oh, come on, for us. Does that make sense? Our future is heaven's completion. Oh, come on. See, heaven's done. Our future is entering into what was done. That's why God can say, my works are finished. Heaven is finished. It's a finished product. Oh, come on. And we're bringing finish into the now. See, they're, they're, where they are is our future. What is to come? Huh. they God's finished work. What was? Oh, come on in the place. God already has a new earth masked out. Come on, waiting in the wings. You can't get more sci-fi than that. Waiting, on, waiting in the wings. It's already done. See, the new earth is already done. Oh, come on waiting for us to get to it. So God's bringing us into the world that's already done. He's bringing laws. Dr. Christ talked about how Jesus backed up in time to get us on board with where they are. Oh, come on. Because heaven's living what? Outside of time. And we're living where? In time. So he had to come back in time to bring us to where they already are out of time. It's already been done. It's already been done. We often, she, and I believe she uses it here in the book, talk about the analogy of the stars, how a star can literally die, and we can, by the time we see it shoot across our skies, it's been dead for how long? How many years? Oh, come on. Already been done. Already been done. Already been done. See, come on here. That's what, That's how prophecy works. Prophecy comes down, and God can tell you what's already going to happen because it's already been done. I'm going to tell you, this star's going to fall. Why? Because in our world, it's already falling. Y'all just waiting to get the news on your side. It's waiting to come into your time zone. Oh, come on in here. See, God's just waiting for certain things that have already been completed to enter into our time zone. So it can manifest itself in our world. Oh come on! Before you get crazy, think about John. John was living. John. John literally was supernaturally pulled into the end of time. How do we get the Book of Revelation? How do we know the Mark of Beast is gonna happen? Oh come on! He was pulled out of our time zone. Oh, okay. To see those events play out, so you can know what's coming to your world. Woe to the earth! For the for Satan has been kicked down here. Come on. Jesus said he saw Satan fall as lightning. How long did it take for that to show up in our time zone? Oh, yeah, we're going to get into those things when we talk about simultaneity because we're riding on. Heaven's uh, completion, heaven's end game is riding on top of our, 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 our generation by generation progress of getting us there. Because, see, he slowed us down. We ain't moving at the speed of light. You notice that? We ain't moving at the speed of sound. We ain't moving at the speed of wind. We ain't moving at the speed of water. Okay? We ain't even moving at the speed of a cheetah. Come on now. Here. But we, he slowed us way down. So we're living in that. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bringing us into their world. And that's happening simultaneously. Their finished world, riding right on top of ours, that's still in motion, that's moving toward the restitution. And when those two worlds come together and are reconciled into one, guess what happens at the end of the book of Revelations? We ain't got it no more. Time is no more. The sun is gone. The moon is gone. Jesus is the sun. The lighting up the whole universe, the verse says, okay? I mean, okay, because he said he has so many mansions in there. Does that make sense? Y'all riding with me tonight? Because you can't think about the now, and you can't allow yourself. A lot of us, God said to me in this season, uh, the, the, the biggest challenge, he, well, there's several, but the biggest challenge he's having with his people is that in an hour of confusion and darkness, he says, should not a people seek their God? We're seeking opinion, we're seeking newspapers, we're seeking culture, we're seeking our family belief systems, we're seeking our doctrines of, uh, uh, of this world, we're seeking doctrines of devils, we're seeking a lot of things. He said, but should not a people seek his God? Why? Because heaven's already completed this. Oh. Heaven's already done with this. So if you want to get into a place where you know where your God is and finding your peace and your sanity and your stability and your faith in the midst of darkness, you've got to get into your heavenly place because it's already done in their world. They've already done this. They've already passed this season. They already know the end of this thing. They already know where this thing is going. But we're not seeking God's finished work. We're seeking temporary insanity when we need to be seeking him. Because he already has the end game. Oh, come on. We know that by the time the star shoots across our sky, it's already dead. It's already done. The the galaxy moved on. Oh, okay. Is that making sense today? So you're staying in confusion and under the delusion of every evil work because you're not seeking your God who's already at the end of all things. Okay. Dr. Price blows our mind and stays ahead of us because she's already past this. She's already in the restitution. Okay? Okay. I left, We laugh at her all the time, talking about her alien ways, because I'm like, my God, we're up here trying to figure out how not to drink, smoke, fornicate, shack, okay, turn on God, not okay, live a life of unrighteousness, and you're already in the restitution of all things. You're already in the world that God is finished preparing. Oh, come on. Jesus is like, I got to go, make some room for y'all. In our world that's already done, waiting for you to get there, waiting for the mature souls and seeds and offspring of the Lord Jesus Christ to join their first estate, that which the enemy forsook and exchanged, but already there, already done. What took these prophets off guard and by storm is because they weren't seeking the finished work. They were seeking cultural understanding. Oh, come on. That's all right. Because you know what? We had to do it. Daniel was able to rise up in God's sphere to tell Nebuchadnezzar where his where his end was. Why? Because God said, I already, I'm already done with Nebuchadnezzar and, his, and the plan I have from him. And that's already done. Oh, come on in here. Gabriel came and told Daniel Greece was going to be the next ruler of the world. He was already predicting Alexander Grace's rise in Daniel 12. Come on here. Know your God. And then you can carry out a great exploit. The elect have to know him and have to seek him to stay ahead in his world and not in the breakdown of this world. Does that make sense today? Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. I don't know. Can we do it? I'm looking at, yes, because see, we don't think this way. And she talks in here about how the prophets of today fail God because they don't move inside of the continuum. They're not moving inside of the reality that heaven already has it sewn up. That's why gospel could be preached to Abraham before Jesus came. That's why gospel could be preached to them in the wilderness before Jesus came. Oh, come on in here. That's why Enoch could see uh, God coming back with uh, tens of thousands of his saints. And we know we're near, John, even getting the revelation about anything. Oh, come on in here. Because it's already, heaven is already done. And they're playing out their plan in our time. And why are they playing out this plan? Because, again, we have to be vetted for where we're going. Okay. Praise them, church. Yes. That's all right to say today because we're not, you can't just live in the now because our now is God's past. Oh, yeah. And his past is our future. Didn't Jesus show it? He said, let me tell you what's going to happen. Matthew 24, continuum. How did Jesus know what was going to happen? It's going to be this. How do we know when the end is near? How do we know when you're going to return? How how can he even map that information out if it wasn't already done? Continuum. We're moving by a plan that has already been established by God. They're not making this up as they go along. They're manifesting it in every generation. Prophecy doesn't have to be made up. It just needs to be manifested. It doesn't have to be a vain imagination. All God needs to do is bring you into his plan. And according to Amos 3, 7, and 8, that's what he does. He reveals his secrets first. Okay? His secrets, his counsel, his plans first to his servants, the prophets so that we can let people know when th- that they are on target, that this is on target with the will and with the objective and with the end game of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, that's who we're tracking. And today we've gotten off of that but with all of this other stuff. Well, it could, you know, God could be this thing. He could be in that thing. No, God is only in what he's trying to achieve through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a reason why he kept saying that over and over again in Scripture. Because that was letting them know what their divine lineage was, how to track their divine lineage, how to track their divine line, and there and trace themselves all the way back to the God of heaven that they're serving. Does that make sense? Oh, come on. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're not tracking the movement and the activity of any other spirit, of any other God. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the line of the continuum. And everything in Scripture keeps you along the line of, and every time generations have gone by, years have gone by, and he's tapping the next person, and he's tapping the next agent he wants to use to manifest the next thing he wants to do in a generation, he introduced himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus did it, too. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He basically told them, I'm Abraham's father. I'm the God of Abraham that's been talking to you from the beginning to establish that line and to establish the continuity so they knew who to be tracking. Oh, come on in here. See, that's why prophets who don't know their Bible can get off base because they don't know the activity of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they start getting off into other things. They start getting off into other realities and into other belief systems and other spirits. No, no, you have to be able to track even your apocalyptic prophecies and all of those things, not only by what we have in front of us in Scripture, but by what he's already done. Because remember, we said we started off in Ecclesiastes, it's already been done. So we have to know what's already been done, what now is, and what is to come in our world if you're going to stay on track in accuracy and representing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who introduced himself and revealed himself as the creator and as the most high God, you have got to know those things. That's what she's trying to establish in the continuum. So you stay in a thought line and not just a thought. A lot of us have great thoughts, but they don't line up with the continuum, with the continuity of the activities of this God who introduced himself like that continually. And he gave Moses Genesis, So he, we would know his work from the beginning, not just from the point of the law, but from the beginning, how he has revealed himself and stayed consistent in character, nature, activities, and his objective, if that makes sense today. So let's talk a little bit about that. We started. We talked about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to review some things with you because we took some weeks where we just went to some places because we had to go to places. Hallelujah! But I told Dad we would get we will do chapter seven right in here. Praise the Lord. So we want to talk about this, going back through this line by line, okay? A little bit here, and it's talking about at the beginning establishing. Again, this connection, this God who is literally moving through the planet and moving through the earth, okay, according to what? His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we talked about how he established that at the beginning so we would know which deity we were dealing with and how to define him and how to track him and how to know him. And so us cutting off that Old Testament is cutting off our literal, literal line, of heritage so we're talking here about uh, Romans 413 which is going back through the top here talking about Abraham being the heir of the world okay and when he decreed this destiny upon the man it was outside of Moses's law so Abraham and his promise happened long before Moses time establishing where it all began. So Abraham became the progenitor, as we talked about before, the progenitor of the redeemed race or the race of the off, or I should say of the offspring of Jesus Christ. Abraham became the father of the redeemed race. We know that Adam became the father of all flesh. We know that Satan started the uh, Cain rather started the race of the cursed and the doomed, okay? And Abraham started the race of the redeemed. Jesus made a covenant with him that in his seed and through his loins he would save and redeem the souls of men. That was their whole covenant. Because at that time, Adam had already made the covenant with the other guy, okay, with the other gods and gods that were with him, okay, and promised them an offspring, promised them a line, promised them a seed. And so Jesus was cut out. But it's been ordained, as you see in the middle of this, it's been ordained that he would have a people and he would have a race in the finished work, in heaven, before we even started this process. Jesus was supposed to bring seed into the planet after his own kind. He was promised a people and a kingdom. So after Adam did what he did, we know that he lost all of those rights to the human gene, the human seed. It was now sold under darkness, sold under Satan. So what does he do? He grabs this Babylonian prophet that belongs to darkness by rights because of Adam's fall, grabs this Babylonian prophet, and makes a covenant with him by faith, which we know. He makes a covenant with him by faith, and that covenant was, listen, you let me borrow your genes and your DNA, I'll make you the father of many nations. I will bless you, give you a son, and all of those things. And he grabbed a man, okay? He grabbed a man who had no kids and no hope, okay? And use that to say, good, nothing has touched you, nothing's opened your womb. I mean, nothing's come out of your loins, and nothing's opened Sarah's womb. Perfect. Perfect. What I'm going to do is establish a covenant. We're going to make a deal that you have made a decision and a choice to go ahead and uh, covenant with me that everything that comes out of your loins will belong to me. They will have first rights to me. So he, just like Adam, dedicated his seed to darkness, okay, by taking part of the fruit and allowing the death to come in. Abraham made a covenant to dedicate everything that came out of his loins to Jesus Christ. He said, it's going to be yours. Everything that comes out of here will belong to you. And they made a covenant and a pact. And Jesus said, great, good. And now he has flesh, all right? He has actual uh, 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 fleshly vessels for his eternal spirit that are residing in him to now begin the process of making his eternal race. So Abraham is the start point of how God begins to make his eternal race. He becomes the container, the vessel, the holding tank, if you will, of flesh. And why did God choose him? Because not only did he have the faith to believe that Jesus would honor his covenant, and Jesus came down here. I mean, not only did, okay, they ratified the covenant. We know he he, he stayed up all night trying to watch the sacrifice. Then the Lord comes down by fire and just said, boom, accept it. But Jesus comes with Melchizedek. Think about this. He comes down with Melchizedek to ratify this covenant with Abraham. Take take care of some business with Sodom and Gomorrah too, but, you know, praise God. But they go ahead and ratify this thing. And, And now we have a whole covenant in place. So God's like, great, I have the eternal spirit. Now I have the souls. I have now access, legitimate access to these human souls by Abraham's faith and choice of me. Because just like it was Adam and Eve's choice, it was by choice that we ended up in darkness, it was by choice that we became qualified for redemption. And Abraham was the kickstart of that pre-qualification process. Because what did Abraham allow him to do? Reenter the human gene, okay? And not only that, but he made us genetically predisposed to something that Jesus came back for in the end. And that was faith. So the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, is literally all about a promise. Which is why he said, I didn't come to destroy anything. I came to fulfill it because he understood everything about the Old Testament was hinging on a promise. A promise to come, a promise to save, a promise to redeem, a promise to restore, a promise. And look at all of those prophecies contained the promises that God was making that he would ultimately fulfill in the new. So you got the Old Testament, which is a promise to come, and we got the New Testament, which is a promise fulfilled or manifested. He came to keep that promise. He started way back then with Abraham. He said, didn't I tell you I was going to come back, and after you, all the, all the uh, families of the world were going to be blessed, That I was going to bless your seed, and I was going to do all of these great things. Hebrews 11 talks, talks to us about him setting up angels to give uh, 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 help to the seed of Abraham. Aid, that's the word I was looking for, aid to the seed of Abraham. So everything starts with that there, him being that progenitor and that kickstart of our redemption process, which is why the gospel had to be preached to him because he was letting him know what the fulfillment of his seed was going to be, what the end of the covenant was going to look like, what the promise was going to uh, fulfill and produce. So we have Abraham. And setting this thing in motion And being the preserver Right down to Abraham's bosom Everything about Abraham was preservation he was, his, his, his number one Objective for his loing Was to preserve the redeemed For the day of redemption Preserve the souls that God would That would turn to Jesus Christ And gave them a predisposition of faith just like we talk about generation curses, well, there are some generation blessings and, and predisposition that can come down the family line, too. And he made us predisp- predisposed to faith by his own genetic makeup in line because he passed that on to Isaac, and Isaac passed that on to Jacob, and they passed that on down the line, a predisposition to believe in God. Oh, y'all all right today? A predisposition to believe in God, which is why Jesus came talking about faith and belief. Because he's picking up with the promise he made Abraham, which started by that, so that's how we end up with the race of the redeemed. So she talks about in here that he wasn't Jewish; he was Babylonian. Now he became the kickstart of the Jewish race in the sense that uh, after he birthed them into the planet, we got Abraham. I mean, we got Abraham, we got Isaac, we got Jacob. We ended up with all the, the patriarchs. We ended up with all of the people that were in Egypt. We ended up with all those people coming out of Egypt and and uh, uh, becoming, okay, the Jewish race, which was God's preserver and protection for the redeemed. Their job was to ensure that we got Jesus Christ into the planet. Uh, yes, because he knew that ultimately it would be redeemed. Okay, he says the Jewish nation, the Lord ordained to flesh out the prophecy, had yet to be born. So their their job is to take Abraham's covenant and put it into flesh. We want to put the Abraham's covenant in flesh. He did not want the nation to be comprised of a single human line. I'm sorry, a single human lineage. He did not want it to be comprised of a single human lineage. Uh, he wanted as Acts 15 through 14, uh, fourteen through eighteen says, a kingdom inhabited by all nations having one distinguished feature that meant everything to him. Why? The answer is because that is how the Almighty and His Son began. Both originated with everything they would ever make integral, uh, I'm sorry, they would, they would ever make integral to and coming from within themselves, with Jesus inheriting his produce from his father. Here is yet another unique factor that sets Christ and his father apart from all other deities. They want all nations, not just a single lineage, unlike many single-race religions on the planet. Now, let's think about that. He wasn't after just a single race. First of all, he made it all, okay, so he wasn't going to be defined. But it talks about how the sons of Adam were divided according to the sons of God okay, the seed of Adam was divided according to the sons of God, so each of these deities ended up taking over a human lineage, which is why Islam is not just a religion, but it's a breed, it's a, it's a people, their religion is fused with their DNA, and it's a single lineage, okay, it's fused with their DNA, and so you have gods over certain cultures, why certain cultures end up under certain deities. Okay, because they were single lineages, they only wanted that particular line, they only had access to that particular gene pool, but not so as the creator. And Jesus wanted to prove that we are the creator, because we ain't going to just settle for that. We're going to have every kindred, tribe, and tongue and everything that we've designed, and everything that we created. So he did not want that, which is why, although he started with the Jewish race, why this thing wasn't just about Israel, even though it started with Israel, because the ultimate plan was to do Matthew 28. And as Dr. Price has said in here, he was going to take what he began with Abraham and uh, I should say finish what he said he was going to do with Abraham and go global, because he told Abraham all families of the earth would be blessed through your seed. So he could not stay locked in Israel he could not stay locked in Judaism he wanted to go global so he began to expand what he started which shifted a lot of the customs and the tradition so that he could touch a global people and not just one he had to get rid of the sacrifices and all of those things because those were restrictive to what was happening in Israel Now, he's like, I'm going to be the high priest so that I can be everywhere, my blood can be everywhere, and now anybody can become a partaker of this thing. And they won't have to just be in a particular territory, in a particular land. He was no longer going to be confined to just that one place. That's why it was important that he eradicate the authority of all of those gods over all of those single race lineages in the planet. He had to wipe them out. So that he can now go in And begin and, and finish his covenant With Abraham Now all I'm going to get all of your heirs All over the world I promise to you Which were promised to me In Jesus Christ Does that make sense? So John comments on this Gospel distinction uh, Hence God's chosen nation Was to be born with the same nature As the first begotten son jesus christ and so abraham started the first portion of the nature by dedicating his loins to god and god was preserving that nature trying to keep that nature through the law through the commandments through all of those things until the secondary peace came in which was the holy ghost the eternal spirit him bringing his eternal spirit into us through the holy spirit fusing those two things together to make the new breed, to make the new race that would be of his own nature. God put his own nature in us, okay? Not just the faith, not just the gospel, not just the message. We're not just the message. We are literally the nature and the DNA of the almighty God. And that's what happens when we, you know, when you don't know him and you don't know who you are, you settle for just the messages. You settle for just the doctrine, and never pursue becoming the nature. But this thing is about your nature, not just what you do, not just where you go to church, but it's about your nature. So we talked about that. It says it would share one spirit, diversified in many ways. Jesus' father incarnated him to reproduce its predestined earthly offspring and thereby coalesce them with the Godhead. We were predestined because Jesus Christ already had us in him when he was begotten. He was already promised an offspring and a family, okay, and brethren like himself in heaven. So we were not only predestined because of what uh, Abraham did in his covenant, I'm on here, but that's why he can say before the foundation of the world, because we were predestined inside of Jesus Christ to become his offspring and to be a manifestation of who he is. Does that make sense? And then she talks about how it shows up by what the prophets had written, what they wrote about Jesus Christ. Their job was to, to prophesy and bring him into manifestation and bring the fulfillment of his promise into manifestation and his offspring and seed into manifestation and the process by which he would do it. Does that make sense? That was his goal. That was his job to bring that into manifestation. And so the gospel didn't start with, with the Virgin Mary. It started way back then with not only a firstborn begotten son, then a let us make man, and then a heir to the world. So it was already in place. It was already in motion. And Dr. Price and I were talking about this. If Lucifer never even cut the fool, Jesus Christ would have still birthed a race after his own kind and after himself. We talked about knowing the difference between the begotten versus created. Because God created all of the angels, he created the the heavens, he created the earth, he created a lot of things, but he only reproduced himself in one other being, and that is Jesus Christ. And so he was promised an opportunity to replicate himself. How he would do it, why he would go through the journey of vetting, and and, and, and and building this thing out the way that he did had a lot to do with this whole uh, advent of free will that became necessary because of Lucifer's fall. So now the process by which he would do it had shifted. Oh, y'all all right? It had shifted. But at the end of the day, it was already predestined that he would have a people after his own kind, after himself in the heavenly places. When we get back together, we'll talk about how the prophets uh, uh, of today are, well, like Dr. Price said, uh, falling into the false or falling into error because of their lack of understanding of the continuum and not staying true to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and not staying on the in the continuum and in the activities that He did. I love the people who always say God would, uh, the God I serve would never do that. And then we go start looking through scripture and find out not only did he do it, but he was righteous in doing so. And I always challenge people and say, you know, before you say God didn't, okay, wouldn't, make sure that he never did in his history of mankind, in his history of eternity, in his history of being God and being the sovereign over all the earth. It's important that we know that. So prophets who get outside of Scripture and get outside of the continuum begin to promote and become the mouthpieces of false Christ and false gods. Frustrate the plan, and they frustrate the continuum instead of helping God propel it forward and partnering with him and manifesting his will in the earth. If that makes sense to you all tonight. I wanted to read something from the book. I told my dad that I would read some things today as we walk through the continuum. When we get back together, we'll talk a little bit about that and get into some things related to simultaneity and synchronicity, because, praise God, that is important. Amen? And so I want to take some time before we head off today to go ahead and pray with you all tonight. Yes? Yes? So we want to go ahead and do that and bring those pieces together. Praise God in the house. I want you guys to stay on this journey with us because it's important now more than ever that you know God and you know the operations of his hands. And you know the operations of his hands from his own legacy. And not necessarily just from our own perceptions or opinions of who we feel like he should be. And what we would do if we were God. See that's important. Okay? Because a lot of times, okay, we're often we're often talking about what we would do and not understanding, okay, what is already understanding it from the standpoint of what was already done. We're not God's not making this up and you can't make this up. Amen. You can't make this up. Praise God because we need to understand that today. So we I want you guys to stay focused on that in the midst of all of this crazy. Seek your God, because he's already done. Trump didn't catch him by surprise. Nothing catches God off guard. He is already done. And so you need to know what his plans are. And don't trade your the eternal plan and the eternal objective for a temporary instrument that God is using to propel you to the place he has to what he has ordained for your life. Don't exchange temporary, okay, eternal rather, for the temporary. That's important that we understand that in this generation. Praise God today. So let us go ahead and pray out of here. I want you guys to have an opportunity to sow tonight. If you uh, if you were blessed by this, if you've been blessed by this whole entire <laughs> I want you into your continual transformation into what you are becoming into that divine nature that is growing inside of you each and every day with the hearing of the word, it's steadily activating and shaping and, and, and literally pulling out the DNA of the divine in you. So that you can not only be a hearer of this, but a doer. Not only a doer, but a producer. And not only a producer, but one that has the very nature of the God that you're serving. So you can carry out great exploits. You can be just like him in the earth, walking in that power, walking in that authority, and walking in the fullness of who he's called you to be. So uh, I want to give you an opportunity to sow tonight, www.tallaprice.com. There's two ways that you can go ahead and sow, inviting you to do that today, www.tallaprice.com. So that's what I want you to do to sow into this and to keep us moving forward together in this journey and in this process because you're going to be transformed. What you sow into is what you will reap. And that reaping doesn't always have to be in the physical. You can reap uh, in the eternal. You can reap in the abundance of the kingdom of life then light that is uh, available to us and all that it has to offer and bring. Praise God. So I want to pray with you all tonight. God, I thank you so much for these people. I thank you God for these, the seed of Abraham, God that you foresaw before the foundation of the world and pre-qualified and then qualified, God through your own will and by your own blood, God, and your own commitment to getting what you want and to getting, Father God, what you set in motion and what you have designed before time began. We're Entering into Father God, the fullness of what You wanted to accomplish and achieve, and I thank You, Lord, that You, He, that has begun the good work, God will be faithful to complete it all the way until the day, Father of Jesus Christ, and the restitution of all things, God, when everything between heaven and earth has been reconciled. I thank You, God, that it will mm, it will be established in each and every one of us. Let us, Father God, carry on that faith that Abraham kickstarted and that You completed, God, and that we would. Walk in the fullness of that today, let us not be cheated, God, by vain philosophy. Let us not be cheated, Father God, by the corrupt things of this world. Let us not be cheated, Father God, by what is temporary and what is fading away. But God, help us to stand on what will last. Help us to stand on what will remain. Help us, Father God, to separate uh, the two things together the, t- the wood, the hay, and the stubble from the gold and the silver, from the true riches, God. Help us to see what those are in this season. I thank you, God, that the very will not be deceived god but will be steered and guided by voices of distinction voices of righteousness voices of power in this hour that will raise up uh, that you're raising up even now to see to it that they have a way of escape from the uh, from all of the deception and from all of the delusion and the flood that is trying to overtake this world you said with sin abounds grace abounds all the more i thank you god for giving them each one of them on this line that today god the grace that they need to finish this thing, the grace that they need to walk this thing through, God, the grace that they need to stand in who they are with conviction, with conviction, with conviction, with conviction, God, prepared to give a defense for that which they believe. I thank you that those today, Father God, will feel that in you, Let the same, Father God, a uh, 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 power that was in Jesus Christ to face off with this world and to face off with darkness and to lead captivity captive rest on us today in this generation that we would have, Father God, that that faith and courage, Father, and boldness of our founder. I thank you that that will rest on us, God. Let the mantle of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, rest on us today as we stand in this place and as we stand in this position representing you in this world as the principality of light. Let it rest on us today, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that it would rest on Prophet Michael. And on Brittany, God, I thank you that it would rest even on Kimberly Meredith. I thank you, God, for the things that you're uh, going to do in 2017 to literally shape the steps of Kimberly Meredith today, God. I thank you for the blueprint that's coming forth for how to navigate life. God, I thank you that the strategies that she needs and the answers that she needs to navigate life, it's been crazy around her, God. There's been a little bit of a raging storm, but I thank you, Lord, not only for peace that passes all understanding, but you giving her, Father God, the steps that she needs literal the, the literal logistics that she needs father god to navigate the spheres and to navigate father god the terrain that she's finding herself in provide that way of escape god for anisha god we pray that for uh lynn hicks father god for anita for uh, for aces gold for mrs Neath. god i thank you that for mrs Neath in this season that you would give her some real traction of breakthrough. Her breakthrough needs some real traction, God. She's been pushing and plowing and, and trudging, God, along, but I thank you that you will come behind her and give her that push and give her, Father God, the traction that she needs for things to take hold. It's like they're almost there, but they're not taking hold. They're not really coming into full view, so they're not coming into full fruition or connection, God, or even uh, uh, establishment, so I thank you, Lord God, in 2017 for traction for her, traction in this year, God, her breakthrough will begin to take on what is necessary, God, for her to gain ground, for her to gain ground and to progress and move forward in Jesus' name. God, for Chief For Real, God, for Prophet Toya Brown, and even for M. MCOB, I thank you, Lord God, that this will be that year that they, are, that they are able, Father God, to press forward in the things that you give them to do. I thank you, God, for Chief For Real coming out of that season, God, of not, uh, of Of not feeling like things are are doing what they need to do in their life. I thank you, God, for that wind. I thank you, God, for a fresh wind that you would blow a fresh wind into their life. They need fresh voices speaking into their life as well, God. They need voices of wisdom. They need voices really of common sense. They need voices of strategy. They need people speaking into their lives that will give them what they need to take the steps and, and to really take action on what you have given them to do. They need fresh voices, God. Fresh voices for them speaking into their situation, voices that really know, Father, what your plan and what your heart is for them, and that all of the other foolishness, God, will will, will literally uh, fade away, will be blown away like the chaff in their lives. God, I thank you for that today. God, for Bishop Gail Peterson, for uh, uh, Caleb Marshall, for Vanessa Harris, for Stephen Hope, for Shani Brown, God, for Eleanor Smith Taylor, I thank you, God, for Eleanor in this season. God, I thank you that you're working out some things for the good in her health, in her life, God all things will work together for the good. So, God, I pray peace on her, no panic, no fear, no doubt, no unbelief, God, but that she can stand on the things that you are telling her and stand on the word that you're giving her in her spirit, God, because she's hearing from you. She's not, you know, with the when the circumstances come crowding in, all of a sudden your voice isn't as strong and isn't as pronounced, but she's hearing from you. So, God, give her the peace to, to, to follow your voice in this season and know that you will do what you said and that all things will work together for the good. Continue to follow the voice of the Lord, Eleanor. Grateful, John, for Tara uh, Belaine for Tracy Starworth. God, I thank you for Tracy's ministry this year coming into uh, uh, cohesion. I thank you for all the pieces that have been uh, uh, scattered abroad, not scattered as in uh, uh, confusion, but just not coming together. There's a piece popping up here, there's a piece over here, and she wants to know how they all fit together in this puzzle and how they will all work together for the things that you have given her to do, even when it comes to the finances, the some of the visions off. It's like we have all of these things happening here and there and everywhere and not sure how we can get them to come together and which things should take priority, what we should focus on first, and what is it that, that, that God is really giving us to do. But God, I thank you right now today that you cause all of that to cohere, that they go back a little bit to the drawing board and sitting down and and, and, and thinking through what it is Father God that will propel them forward uh, really the, the fastest in this season. So bring the The blueprint together, bring the architecture together, God for them, but also show them provisionally what's going to help, what's going to help, what's going to move, and what's going to be for the now, because some things, Father, will not really get off the ground right now from a provisional standpoint, but show them, Father God, how to set up this plan so that what you have given them to do can be provided for and financed, God. They need a financial blueprint for how to pull off the things that you're giving them to do. So God, I thank you for their vision coming together in 2017 and you literally pulling those pieces in to talk to one another and most of all, ordering their steps and giving them the wisdom they need to know how to finance what you've given them to do. I pray this, Father God, over Cassandra Hines, over Sharon Maxwell, well, over uh, Pastor Toya Brown, over Maricela, God, over Douglas. God, I thank you for Douglas. I thank you for his family in this season. I'm asking that, God, in this season that you would cover them by the blood. I'm asking that, Father God, that you would bring, release healing uh, uh, from on their family right now. I thank you that for his mom needing healing for himself, God, for the, there's just a lot of people around him, Father God, that really do need your healing touch and your grace. And, God, if you can, we release that grace on the family right now in this season, Father Father, where there's so many things happening with uh, a sickness and, and all of that coming upon them. So I thank you, God, for the prayer of healing and grace being rested upon them in this season in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we pray this over Elaine Stewart, over Erica Martin. Erica, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing okay do not give up on your pursuit of god in this season and going after your relationship in him keep going after that god says stick to the plan and stick to the the first work that he's given you to do because it will manifest some real fruit in your life you will see some tremendous changes in you and in your home and uh mm -hmm, even in your family ultimately when you get into your place so he says keep pressing for that And for Carla Smith, God, for Elisa uh, Jarman, for Tony Ingram, and Francine Brooks. Francine, just know that 2017 is going to be a real year of cleaning out and shifting for you. Because I just see a lot of things uh, uh, coming into view, but a lot of things cleaning out in your life and shifting you. I know I keep saying that, but your life is going to shift, shift, shift. So be ready for some changes and be ready for what God's going to do and how he's going to move in you. Yes. Amen. I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight for this edition of Wednesday Warrior. We're going to be back again. We're going to talk about synchronicity. We're going to talk about simultaneity. We're going to talk about uh, the race of Jesus Christ and who you are in him. So get ready. Study, study, study. Look at your scriptures. Look up your scriptures this week, and we're going to be back again uh, to talk about these great things and, and riches that you're really going to need. We have to be ready in this season to give a defense for what we believe. Amen. And so you need to have the solidarity and the foundation to give a defense. You can't defend a God that you don't know. And you can't defend things just by the way that you feel. You have to have that firm foundation. So God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys next Wednesday. I really wish I had my computer because I had a whole different thing planned. Okay.